The place for Celtics news. The place for Celtics opinion. The place for Celtics talk. It's Cattles on Causeway. Emergency podcast! Emergency podcast! Something might be happening, folks. Episode 6, Cattles on Causeway. Did not expect that we would be doing this right now on this Thursday morning. But what do you know? Here we are with the emergency podcast. The first one we've done as part of Cattles on Causeway. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at Causeway Podcast. That baby's picking up steam. Tell your friends, your family, your coworkers, any Celtics fans you know about at Causeway Podcast. Also, you can listen to us on the Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. So why are we here? Well, let's allow Adrian Wojnarowski to tell us. Uh, When free agency opens on Sunday night, the Celtics have emerged as a strong frontrunner to sign Kemba Walker from the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, Boston can continue to clear some cap space. They could renounce Terry Rozier, uh, create uh, a number that gets up to Kemba Walker's max. But right now, uh, Boston and Kemba Walker are focused on each other, and, and there's a very strong possibility that Kemba Walker will replace Kyrie Irving as the point guard is, is a centerpiece in Boston. Outstanding. Wow. Woj with a bomb wow. live right here on Get Up. Woj with a bomb. Now, let's first have the Adrian Wojnarowski disclaimer, right? All of us Celtics fans know about this disclaimer. Woj does not have a flawless history with the Celtics. The Al Horford signing going back a few years ago, the Paul George draft night stuff where it looked like George could be heading to the Celtics, then that quickly fell apart and the narrative changed. So we have to allow some wiggle room here. With Woj... We don't know. I mean, usually he's the best in the business. But for some reason with the Celtics, he's been slightly off before. So he did leave himself some room, right? When you listen to that cut, he leaves himself some room. He says a strong possibility. They are focused on each other. But right now it looks like things are lining up for Kemba Walker to sign a contract with the Celtics this Sunday. Sunday at 6 o'clock Eastern Standard Time is when free agency will kick off. And I'm not surprised at all that this could be happening, right? We've been talking about this from the very beginning of this podcast. No one talked about when Kyrie Irving was leaving and Al Horford decided to leave. Not many people were talking about the reality that the Celtics could create enough cap space for a max guy. We were talking about it. We were talking about it right here at Causeway Podcast and on the Cattles on Causeway Podcast on, uh, of course, Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. We were talking about this. We were talking about this being a reality. And here we are on the precipice of free agency talking about the Celtics being the front runners for one of the max guys on the market. I'm not surprised we're here. And I'm not surprised that Kemba is looking at Boston. Charlotte had no chance to have a competitive team. Even if they re-signed Kemba at the max, even if they gave Kemba the super max, they were not going to compete. Look at their salary structure. It's just not going to work out. If they sign Kemba to the max, they're left with shedding payroll. Do you think Kemba wants to go back to Charlotte and play for a team that is forever looking at the eight seed? No. He's a competitor. 
He's tired of playing for an also-ran. So with Charlotte not competing, it was obvious to me that Kemba was going to look at his options. And when you look at the options across the league, there really weren't many. If you look at teams that have A, max cap space, and B, need for a point guard, you're really left with three teams. Those three teams, Dallas, the Knicks, and the Celtics. Now, a couple of weeks ago or a couple days ago, whenever it was, my mind is mush right now because everything that's been going on, the rumor came out that Kemba had no interest in New York. He didn't want to play in New York. He did just not want to be bothered with that whole situation. He did not want to, quote-unquote, go back home. So the Knicks, if you eliminate them, that left two teams. Dallas and Boston, which is why Mark Stein came out a couple of days ago reporting that Dallas and Boston were at the front of the line. They were at the front of the line because they were the most logical, reasonable fits. They made the most sense. They were the only teams that had the max cap space that was available for Kemba and had a need, right? And then you look at Dallas. And I tweeted about this this morning before the Woj bomb. At Causeway Podcast. We're ahead of these things, folks. Follow us. I tweeted out, when you start to connect the dots, you could argue that the team that had the max cap space and the need was Boston. And that was it. Because if you look at Dallas, you could argue that Luka Doncic is going to be the ball handler. And if you look at Dallas's roster, you would argue that Dallas's best fit is a big man. So when you put that all together, it makes a lot of sense. And then the icing on the cake is the fact that Kemba has the reputation as an East Coast guy. If you follow his story, right, of course, UConn, he's from New York. That's what he is. He's an East Coast, Northeast guy. And if you follow people that know Kemba, if you read stories about Kemba, some whispers over the past couple of days coming out of Charlotte, that he really is most comfortable on the East Coast. So when you put all of that together, it absolutely put Boston at the forefront. Again, I'm not going to tell you it's a guarantee because Woj, but it certainly looks like it's heading that way, which is not a surprise. Let's look at the fit on the floor, okay, for Kemba Walker. He's a perfect fit. Perfect fit. He scores on the ball, right, as the primary ball handler. He can score. He can create his own shot. We've seen that time and time and time again in Charlotte, but he can also score off the ball. He, he is more like Isaiah Thomas than he is Kyrie Irving. You're going to see the Celtics run a lot of action that you saw them run with IT. You're going to see a lot of handoffs. You're going to see a lot of catch and shoot from Kemba. He's a better fit when it comes to that. I'm not telling you he's a better basketball player than Kyrie because he's not. Kyrie is better. But he does things differently than Kyrie. Scores on and off the ball. Kyrie was capped in isolation and loves creating his own shot. Kemba can work off of guys. So that's good. His shot profile, as they call it in the business, is much better than Kyrie's. If you look at what Kemba does effectively on the offensive side, he takes threes and he gets in the lane. That's what he does. Very similar to Isaiah Thomas. He's going to take threes and he's going to get inside the paint. That's what his shot profile tells you. Threes and lay-ins. And what does that mean? That means Kemba draws more fouls. A major issue with the Celtics last year, as we know, they could not get to the free throw line. As good as Kyrie is off the dribble, and as much as he can get into the paint, he doesn't draw fouls. He doesn't draw contact. Now, Kemba is not at the IT level when Thomas had his last year with the Celtics, but he is better than Kyrie at drawing fouls and drawing contact, which helps. 
He's also a shot maker. You know, we, we talk about Kyrie and his unbelievable ability to make shots outside of the Milwaukee series. And Kemba has that same ability. You think Kemba is guarded, he can make a shot. The shot clock is down to two seconds. Kemba can make a shot. He's five feet behind the three-point line. Kemba can make the shot. He is a premier shot maker at the guard position. He's also clutch. If you look at the clutch statistics and all of that, I don't want to get too analytical. Just trust me when I tell you that Kemba has proven himself to be a very good clutch shooter. So if you need a guy to make a big shot, Kemba can make that big shot. And I see some people with the worries of his shot percentages. I can't guarantee you things are going to change drastically, but I'm pretty confident that Kemba's percentages are going to go up if he plays for Boston instead of playing for Charlotte. First of all, who played for Charlotte? What are we talking about here? We talking about Lamb? Is that the second best player on that roster? Michael Kidd Gilchrist, who can't throw it in the ocean? I mean, those guys, when it comes to jump shots, they're a pile of shit. Uh, Aside from Kemba, they had nobody who could consistently drain a jump shot. You got Jeremy Lamb, and you've got Nicholas Batum, who's just soaking up all the cap space in the world. Michael Jordan is one of the worst executives in the world. Need I remind you, he's the guy that turned down four first-round picks for what would have been Justice Winslow, and he picked Frank Kaminsky instead. So Kemba's percentages are going to be affected by that. He's going one on five, folks. If you're a defense and and you're going into playing Charlotte, what's the number one priority? Defend Kemba. Is there even a second priority? Is anybody staying up at night worrying about Lamb or, or Kid Gilchrist? Is anybody staying up at night worrying about Nicholas Batum? So with more threats on the floor offensively, Kemba's percentages are going to go up. I think you'll see a more efficient and a more efficient Kemba in those shot percentages improving. I honestly feel that way. Now the the points per game might go down. He might not be a 26 point per game guy because you've got a number of different options now offensively for the Celtics, but he could be a very efficient 20 point a game scorer who gets inside the lane and creates contact. So a perfect fit on the floor. Let's talk about off the floor. The last podcast, it feels like we did it 48 hours ago because we did. We talked about one word with the Celtics, right? Our reaction to the draft, it was obvious to me, it's obvious to you, it's obvious to everyone. And and this was reinforced by what Danny Ainge had to say earlier this week when they introduced the rookies. Culture. That's the word you're going to hear. Culture. Culture is going to be the word this summer for the Celtics. And when you talk about culture, you talk about leadership, you talk about a guy who is competitive, you talk about someone who truly gets it. You're talking about Kemba Walker. Kemba personifies culture. He personifies professionalism. Think about how bad that Charlotte situation has been for so long. Kemba has not said a single crossword about that organization, about Jordan, about his teammates. He keeps his head down, and he continues to play hard, and he continues to ball out. Last year was his best season in the NBA. So you're not just talking about fit on the floor. You're talking about a guy who is 100% professional. He might not be as good as Kyrie is on the basketball court, and I think it's closer than some people realize. Honestly, I do. 
But when you talk about off the floor, you talk about leadership, you talk about somebody who gets it, Kemba is way above and beyond what Kyrie ever is and and whatever he'll be. Trust me when I tell you. He oozes leadership, Kemba Walker, while Kyrie desires it and can never find it. Something else I've been hearing the last couple of days as the, as the Kemba stuff started to get going. Can we cut the shit with the timeline? Like, I, Can we just stop the timeline hilarity? Can, can we just everybody slow the roll? Everybody's acting like Kemba Walker is 35 years old. Kemba's 29, and he just turned 29. He's not going to be 30 until next season is over. D- do you realize how old Kyrie is? He's 27. Are people honestly losing their minds over like 18 months? And let's remember this. If the Celtics re-signed Kyrie, because everybody's worried about the timeline, everybody's worried about how old Kemba's going to be, everybody's worried about, oh, well, the cap space in 2022 is going to be destroyed. If you signed Kyrie to an extension, which a lot of people wanted, not everybody, but I think a lot of people would have been fine if Kyrie resigned just because of the talent that he brings. He's going to sign a five-year max deal. So are we splitting hairs? I mean, are we splitting hairs between Kyrie being, what, 32 and Kemba being 33 in the final year of their contract? Is that what we're doing, people? And people are worried about the size of Kemba. Yeah, Kyrie's not a giant. And he also has a history of knee issues. So can we stop the timeline stuff, please? Can we just cut it out? Cut it out. And by the way, waiting for 2021 is fool's gold. For the people that are saying, oh, well, you know, now you're going to clog up the space for that awesome free agency class in 2021. How'd that work out for us recently, right? I'm talking about the, the premier top guys. Now, you got Hayward, you got Horford, and I'm not going to discount that. But if you're waiting for Giannis Antetokounmpo in 2021, good luck to you. We just saw Danny, and I see the same people bitching about 2021. I see the same people bitching about that that were bitching about the AD thing, right? Oh, you could have traded Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart for Kawhi Leonard, but you didn't because you wanted to wait for Anthony Davis because Davis was your white whale. How'd that work out for you, Danny? It didn't work out well, right? So why would you wait for 2021's free agency? We have no idea what the hell is going to happen by 2021. We could all be, hopefully this is not true, dead by 2021. We don't know what's... Just because the Celtics have cap space in 2021, theoretically, doesn't mean they're going to land a top free agent. When you have a chance to sign a max guy, you sign a max guy. And when you have a chance to sign a max guy who fits the system, like Kemba is going to fit Stevens' system... And is, again, at at the top of the mountain when it comes to culture, you take the swing, folks. And one more thing, before I get to what might happen next with this team, now that uh, Kemba is rumored to be uh, a strong possibility. I want to keep using that term in Boston. It's not a done deal yet. Let's remember that. One more thing before we move on. What was the perception of this team four or five days ago? If if you flipped on to ESPN, if you flipped on to FS1, if you put your radio on, what was the narrative that was surrounding the Celtics four or five days ago? The roof was caving in. Everything was going bad. Right? Kyrie walked away. They couldn't make the deal for Davis. Even Al Horford walked away from Boston. 
Nobody wants to play for Boston. The Celtics are going to have some big-time trouble signing a free agent from now on. They just lost Kyrie and Al. While I was screaming in the background that it was ridiculous to have that take because Kyrie is in a different world, and Al left because he's probably going to make around $40 million more than he would with the Celtics, but I digress. The narrative around this team, and we know that a lot of times, and I work for national radio, right? I get it. I'm unfortunately now lumped in with everybody else that does it for a job. But the national media, they, they treated the Celtics as if they were getting arms lopped off and they had absolutely no avenue to, to kind of recoup. They had no way to, to get better. What was surrounding this team was a stench. The stench that was surrounding this organization ever since Al decided to walk away going back, what, a week, week and a half ago, the stench that was around this team was that they had no chance. They failed. They failed. They had two young guys with some potential, but they failed. And to think that this team was going to be able to sign a free agent down the road, that would be silly. Well, if you sign Kemba to a max, the narrative changes. That stench goes away. Now people look at it and the narrative is, hmm, now they've got Kemba, who's not Kyrie, but he's not that far off. He fits the team better as far as personality. So now you've got Kemba, you've got Tatum, you've got Hayward, you might have Brown, more on that in a little bit. Now you start to look at this roster and you say, okay, they're getting back into the hunt. And that means something. If you don't think that means something, I don't know what to tell you. Is Anthony Davis a Laker today if Rich Paul doesn't become his agent and LeBron signs to L.A.? Perception is reality in this league. Friendships mean something. Showing the ability to go out and get a big fish, even if it's not the biggest fish, going out and getting a big fish means something in that league, whether you like it or not. And if the Celtics... Indeed, sign Kemba, it shows the rest of the league that the Celtics could still be one of the big boys. So let's move on now, okay? Because I, I feel like this is the first domino to fall in a big offseason for the Celtics. And the question is, what's next? What is next? Because that's what's going to be the narrative on TV. I saw Jay Williams, right, on Get Up this morning talking about how, well, yeah, I mean, they're, they're better than they were yesterday if they get Kemba, but they still lost Al Horford and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, okay, I get it. Do we honestly think Danny Ainge is done? Like, this is it? He's going he's gonna to play Robert Williams 40 minutes a night? Is that the plan? That, that is not the plan. That is not the freaking plan. Remember during the rookie introduction press conference, Ainge was up there smiling all day long, saying, we're confident. I wish we could tell you what's going on, but we can't right now. Do you think he had an inkling that he he had a shot at Kemba? Of course. I always say this. When things get broken, quote-unquote, it's 10 days to two weeks after the fact. Now, every once in a while, you'll get a story like Horford going back to the, the free agency a couple of years ago where he, he supposedly changed like last second. Yeah, that could happen. But when you have Kyrie going to Brooklyn, that thing was reported like a month ago. You've got Horford walking away a week and a half ago. I can guarantee you the Celtics had a pretty good idea that Irving and Horford were not going to be part of this plan two to three weeks ago. And as soon as they found that out, what happened? 
They pivoted. Who's the agent for Kemba Walker? The agent for Paul Pierce. You think that's a coincidence? You think Ainge has a relationship with uh, Mr. Schwartz? Of course he does. So there's a plan. The Celtics are not going to acquire, if they end up signing Kemba to the max deal, that is a strong possibility, quote-unquote, if that gets done, the Celtics are not going to just sit down and go, man, what an offseason, high fives all around. Yeah, guys, we blew that shit up, huh? Yeah, we did it. Yeah. That's not what's going to happen. There's a plan. So a, a few questions as we look forward. Does Kemba sacrifice a couple of million? Now, Adrian Wojnarowski's story on ESPN.com says that the Celtics are expected to offer Kemba the full max. So it looks like this is not going to happen. But if Kemba wanted to do a little bit of a favor and wanted to help the team, he could take, say, $30 million instead of 32.7. If he took $30 million a year instead of 32.7, that would open up some cap space for the Celtics because right now they have $34.1 million. So if Kemba signs for 32.7, that's what? We're talking $1.5 million? If Kemba gives them a little bit of a break for a couple of million, now they have $3.5 million in cap space. Then if you trade Yabusele, which I think is going to happen, Yabusele is going to get traded somewhere this offseason, either a salary dump or as part of a bigger deal. Yabusele makes around $3 million. So now you're talking, right? Like if, if Kemba cut a couple of million, if he was willing to take a haircut for a couple of million, and you dump Yabu's salary, now you're working with around $7 million bucks, And you can get a quality big with how deep the market is right now with bigs. You could get a quality big for $7 million, And you would still have your room level exception. But since Woj is saying the Celtics are going to give Kemba the max, which Kemba rightfully deserves. And if I'm Kemba, I'm getting my money, right? So that's fine. So Kemba, let's say for now, he gets the full max. The next question you've got to ask yourself is, is Jalen Brown on his way out? And I ask that question because when you look at this roster, it's very guard heavy, right? And does Jalen fit? Is Gordon Hayward really a small forward or a shooting guard? Is Jason Tatum really a small forward or a power forward? You could make the argument that having Kemba at the point, Hayward at the two, and Tatum at the three, aligns those guys in their perfect positions. And you might be playing Tatum out of position by playing him at the four. And you could also address your need, which is obvious to everyone looking at this roster right now, you could address the need for a big by dealing Brown to a team that needs a wing. And the biggest thing is, listen, I love Jalen Brown. I do. He's, he's a competitor, man. And I think we've seen that in the postseason. The last two postseasons, that guy has shown up and he's ball. You know, dunking on Giannis's face. He's not scared, and I love that about him. And I think he's got a pretty high ceiling. But the problem is twofold for the Celtics. Again, you've got a lot of wings right now on your roster. Is it better for Tatum to be the three and Hayward to be the two? You also have to look at Jalen Brown's contract situation. Brown is probably going to make around $20 million next year. Does Danny Ainge want to sign Brown to that kind of commitment when he has Tatum and Hayward under contract next year? Depending on Hayward's player option, that's another 
story for another day. I think Hayward's going to be here long-term because of Stevens and Ainge, and they love him. So if you're going to pay Brown $20 million, are you comfortable with that? Then you've got to pay Tatum the next offseason. Are you comfortable with that? So watch out for Jalen Brown. Uh, Danger Cart, somebody you got to follow as well on Twitter. He does a great job with the roster configuration and checking out all of the possibilities and free agency and stuff. He, he did throw out an option today that's kind of interesting. It was a sign-and-trade where you would sign-and-trade Horford into the cap space of the team that is going to sign Horford, and then you get a trade exception, and you get that trade exception and you spin it along with a piece to Charlotte for Kemba. And what that would do, why you would do that, you would do that because it opens up the full mid-level exception, which is over $9 million. The Celtics right now are looking at an exception that would be just under $5 million. So if you do the danger car option, which is way outside the box, and I think it's very, very unlikely, but if you did something like that, and Mike Zarin is a genius when it comes to the cap, if you did something like that, it would A create the full mid-level for you, which is fantastic, and B, it would also allow you to keep Marcus Morris's rights. So if you're a big Marcus Morris guy, you could arguably have the full mid-level at around $9 million. You get Kemba, and you keep Morris. So that's why you might think about doing that option. I'm going to keep it simple here. You've got the $7 million if Kemba wants to sacrifice a couple of million. You've got the full mid-level exception as an option as well. And when you look, when you look at what's going on for the C's and the possible options on the market, seven million or the mid-level, you're looking at Kevon Looney probably. Willie Cauley Stein is a name that would make some sense. DeAndre Jordan would make some sense as well. A guy who can set screens, he can rebound, put backs, block shots. If you've got you know Kemba and the other three guys in your starting lineup, those are four shooters around Jordan. You can survive that. And Jordan's much better at the free throw line, by the way, too. Uh, the room level exception, if you're looking at that. Enos Cantor, and, and this is if the Celtics sign uh, Kemba to the max and then they sign somebody else just under the cap, once they meet uh, the salary cap, they then have the room level exception, which again is about $5 million. You're looking at Enos Cantor. You're looking at possibly Robin Lopez. You're looking at Dwayne Dedman. And then you've got the vet minimum option. And there are some names out there that could make some sense. JaVale McGee could probably be had for the vet men. Tyson Chandler could probably be had for the vet minimum. Noah Vonley, who improved big time last year, no one noticed, but Noah Vonley might be had for the vet minimum. And then there's the trade Jalen Brown option. And here's one name. I mentioned this in the last podcast. Here's a name to keep an eye on. DeMontis Sabonis. Indiana just drafted Goga Batazzi. He's a stretch big. They've got Miles Turner wrapped up in a contract. I don't think Indiana, they're in the same spot as the Celtics are with Jalen Brown. They're looking at paying Sabonis 18 to 20 million next year. I don't think Indiana would be comfortable paying Sabonis 18 to 20 million when they have Turner on the books like they do and they just drafted Batazzi. That's not good roster balance, and it doesn't make much sense because you've got too many bigs making too much money. So I think Indiana might be looking to deal one of Sabonis and Turner. I think it would take a king's ransom for Turner. I think it makes more sense for Sabonis. And when you look at the Pacers roster, 
you know, Oladipo's obviously got the injury, but they could definitely use a wing. So it makes roster sense for them. It makes financial sense for them. And you would argue with the Celtics roster, it makes roster sense for them because it balances that roster. And you've got that young big now in DeMontis Sabonis. And I would add that Sabonis is very similar to Al Horford when it comes to offensive game. Now, he doesn't shoot the three like Al does. But when you talk about facilitating, when you talk about being able to knock down the jump shot, when you talk about rebounding, Sabonis is a perfect fit for Brad Stevens' offense. So you want to keep that in mind. So if we go with the exotic plan, and remember Wick Grosbeck said they had some exotic scenarios. If you go with the exotic plan, I love Jalen Brown, but you deal Brown for Sabonis, you deal Yabusele into cap space, that gets you around $4 million under the cap, and you've got the room level. You sign Dwayne Dedman with the $4 million in cap space, and then you sign Jamichael Green for the room level exception, and your team looks like this. Starting lineup, Kemba, Hayward at the two, Tatum at the three, Sabonis at the four, and at the five, Dwayne Dedman. Dwayne Dedman is that rebounder. He can stretch the floor. He can block some shots in case you're worried about Sabonis' defense. Dedman can help him with that. I love that starting five. I honestly do. And when you look at the bench, you've got Smart and Edwards, backup point guard. You just drafted Romeo Lankford, so he slots in behind Smart as the backup two guard as well. Small forward, the Celtics just guaranteed the contract this morning of Shimmy Ojale. So at small forward, you've got Tatum, Ojale, and I think you could sneak some minutes in at the three for Grant Williams because he's pretty much like P.J. Tucker when it comes to style of game. So he could play some minutes at the three. The power forward, you'd have Sabonis, Jermichael Green, and then you could play Williams uh, some minutes there. And then at center, you've got Dwayne Dedman, Robert Williams, and Sabonis. That's a deep, versatile team that is excellent offensively, and I think not too shabby defensively. That's the exotic plan. The conservative, we're going to stick with Jalen Brown plan is rather simple. You go out and, and you sign Jamichael Green with some of the cap space that you've created by dealing Yabu Sele. Or you could sign Deadman with that cap space and you sign Green with, with the room level exception. And that would give you Kemba, Brown, Hayward, Tatum, and Deadman as your starting five. You could fill out the pieces from there. So we'll keep an eye on this. It looks like uh, Kemba is a quote unquote strong possibility. It results in us doing an emergency podcast, Cattles on Causeway. Make sure you tell your friends about this. Tell all the Celtics fans. If you're tired of listening to Boston radio, just throw shit up against the wall and be just nothing but pessimistic. And some of the guys up there, I worked up there, as you know, right? And if you don't know, I did. Some of the guys just, they, they don't do enough homework because they're, they're paying attention to other stuff and they're not as passionate about the Celtics. If you want to get Celtics talk, and I'll be objective, if you want legit Celtics talk, passionate Celtics talk, that's going to lay out all the options for you and be ahead of some of these things, you want the Cattles on Causeway podcast. Apple Podcasts, also on SoundCloud. Follow us on Twitter at Causeway Podcast. You can follow me personally as well at Nick C Radio. Episode 6 is Kemba on his way. We'll be back early next week. We'll have reaction to free agency. Is Kemba a Celtic by then? And also, 
Did the Celtics make another move for a big? All that coming up, episode seven, unless we have another emergency podcast. Have a great weekend. Cattle's on Causeway at Nick C Radio at Causeway Podcast.